All right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Friday, September 29th of 2023. Thanks for tuning into the show here today. If it's your first time, or maybe it's been a little while since you've watched an Office Hour stream, uh, this is an open Q&A stream. We call it Office Hours for a reason. We'll answer questions here that you have about DFS, about SaberSim, uh, really whatever you guys want to talk about. You pop questions into the live chat here or in the Discord server, the Office Hours channel, uh, and we'll answer some questions, talk a little bit of DFS strategy. Uh, we've got four-game college football slate here tonight, uh, 13, actually, I think it's a 12-game baseball slate here. Uh, with the Mets game getting rained out if you're still grinding the baseball streets here. We've got football coming up this weekend as well. So football questions, uh, anything is welcome. We got an MMA slate on Saturday. Um, so all kinds of good stuff to talk about here. But uh, let's go ahead and, and dive in here. We'll just start picking off the questions that have come in uh, yesterday afternoon and overnight and this morning in the Discord channel. Uh, and then if you have questions for me, you can fire away in the YouTube chat or, or just keep piling in into the Discord channel as well here. Um, but we'll start. This is from CJ. And uh, good question. This is a good one. I'm glad somebody asked this. Um, just a good like thing to know about how SaberSim is kind of working with some of this stuff. Uh, when doing contest sims with different field projections, uh, meaning ownership projections here, low stakes, low stakes MME, flagship 20 max here. Let me get a build just going here so we have something to work with. Um, should we be changing the projections pre-build in the My Ownership column to match the contest type? Uh, is that what it's intended for? And if not, any thoughts on the pros and cons of doing it? Thanks for all you guys do. Yeah, so if you, it, it kind of depends here. Um, the, the short of it is you don't need to make sure that that happens pre-build, right? You can make those adjustments post-build. It's one of the cool things uh, about SaberSim here now uh, is that that, that pre-build, post-build line is just a lot blurrier than it was before. There's really nothing that you can only do pre-build now, maybe besides lineup rules. And even if you do, even if you forget to do something before you start building lineups, anytime you can just click the rebuild lineups and it's like saying, take everything I've already done and just rebuild a new pool around it. So it, it's just like, a lot easier to get things right and to fix things if you forgot to do something. So um, for this build, for example, like I didn't change the ownership projections here. Um, I can change them post build and it will affect the saber score here and update it to the ownerships used for the contest type that I'm actually playing. Um, but the reason I'm happy you asked this question and the very like kind of important thing that I wanna mention here is that the ownership projections, if you were running contest sims, don't matter at all, right? The ownership projections themselves are not included in the process of running a contest sim. The field lineups that those ownership projections are based on are selected when you set up a contest sim. So if I were to set up a contest sim for the flagship for this particular slate, for example, it will use the actual field lineups. Or actually, let's do a different example here. So let's say I do the low stakes 20 max, right? It will use the field lineups that are that are in the low stakes 20 max field set we have. And the low stakes 20 max ownership projections are based on these. But upon selecting the field lineups as the low stakes 20 max, which is you know what I'm hypothetically playing in this situation here, that's kind of all you need to do from the contest sim standpoint. So I do see that question come up quite a bit in our uh, support inboxes and things like that. Like, do I need to also set the ownership projections equal to that same field lineup? The ownership projections here are really here just so you can see them. 
if you're curious, how does ownership change in different contests here and things like that. Uh, and if you want to see the actual uh, field lineups themselves, those are available here. But if you're using contest sims, you don't really need to, honestly, you don't need to touch the ownership projections at all, as long as you're selecting the right field lineups. And if you're using Sabre score, you can change those field lineups uh, in a build, or sorry, mixing things up now. Um, you can change the ownership projection set in a build, and it will update the ownership projections used for your Sabre scores here. So um, I guess the short answer to this particular question is um, specifically to the way that this question is written. Uh, you don't need to make sure that this happens before the build. You can change it after the build. It only affects Sabre score. It does not affect the contest sims. The ownership projections do not affect the contest sims in a literal way. The field lineups are what the contest sims use. So, um, cool. All right. A uh, really good question here from the piano teacher. Uh, can you speak to the relationship between randomness in a traditional optimizer and sim diversity in SaberSim? I know sim diversity is superior, seeing the results firsthand, but in reviewing my process, I'm trying to understand it more. If I have sim diversity at 10, is that like a more sophisticated version of taking randomness as high as it could possibly go? Or is it doing its own thing entirely and shouldn't be compared to traditional randomness? I think, I mean, the comparison is definitely fair. So what randomness is basically uh is it is a what's what we call as a top-down approach to a player distribution so the way that works is you are first projecting the player's average performance this is all the average projections you see out there in the industry right these are you say um a certain player their mean average fantasy point production is 15.8 and what randomness does is it attempts to create a distribution of what the possible outcomes are for that player, generally using a normal distribution. There are other distributions that can be used for that kind of thing. As far as I'm aware, I think almost every other optimizer out there that offers something called randomness is using a normal distribution there at best. Um, they might also be using a flat distribution right? A flat distribution would be saying, okay, if Carlos Rodon's average projection is 15.8, and we're going to say that he is, we're giving him a 20% flat distribution, that would mean that his maximum value is 20% uh, higher than 15.8, and his minimum value is 20% lower than 15.8, and all of the outcomes in between those two values are equally likely. Right, that, that randomness also exists out there in the DFS world, but a lot of them are normal distributions where there is some, maybe they're using some kind of historical standard deviation and they're using the mean and they're creating a bell curve around the average as that player's distribution, right? The problem with that is that players are not, there was really actually two big problems with that. The first is that athletes and, and sports performance is often not normally distributed. Uh, and there's a spectrum to that. There are sports like golf or MMA um, where players or even baseball hitters, uh, that's actually a good example, are exceptionally not normally distributed, right? If we pull up CJ Abrams here, uh, a normal distribution of 9.87 with the average projection would kind of look like a bell curve around this bar, around the 10 point bar where you would kind of, you can kind of imagine the bell curve. You can see very clearly here that is not what this player's distribution looks like. So there's already a huge flaw in like uh, binary sports like tennis, MMA, golf with the cut. You'll you'll have kind of two normal distributions. Uh, 
where the player misses the cut or loses the fight or loses the match or makes the cut, wins the fight, wins the match, right? You kind of have these two, you have this binary distribution. Uh, there are sports where players are a little bit more normally distributed. They're they're more normally distributed. I want to stress more, but pitchers, pitchers in MLB have like a distribution that resembles a bell curve. Uh, basketball is kind of famously fairly normally distributed. I think certain positions in football can look a little more normal distribute, distributed, but they're not perfect distributions. They're not perfectly normal. And that brings me to the second big problem of a normal distribution is that ultimately, if you use randomness and those kinds of distributions to build lineups around that, you don't account for correlation in any direct way. Every player has their own distribution that is ultimately independent from others when the lineup gets made. So if you have, um, let's say you're assuming that Patrick Mahomes has a normal distribution and Travis Kelsey has a normal distribution. Well, when it selects kind of that random projection to use for building any given lineup. What is selected for Patrick Mahomes does not affect what is selected for Travis Kelsey at all, right? So you could select the 90th percentile outcome for Patrick Mahomes and assume he's scoring four touchdowns and throwing for 300 yards. And then the random selection for Travis Kelsey is four catches for 40 yards and it's like a floor type performance, right? Which, which is a possible outcome, but the optimizer itself isn't there's no intelligence there of thinking about how those two players relate to each other, right? So those are the two big problems with randomness and these kinds of distributions is that they're not accurate to what the individual players' distributions actually look like. Um, and there's a spectrum of how inaccurate they can be. And they're not correlated. They don't understand that there's actual games being played here. They assume that these are just Every player is just an independent outcome where you can kind of roll the dice in the distribution and pick it and try to end up with, with an accurate set of outcomes there. So what SaberSim does different is our approach is bottom up, right? We don't start with an average projection. Our average projection is a result of play-by-play -play simulations of each game. So we take each game, we will simulate a play. You guys have probably heard this before from either me or Andrew. We'll see the outcome of that play in one single simulation. Then we will simulate the next play. Then we will simulate the next play. And we will build out a game script for each game on the slate, right? Then we will do that process thousands of times. And we end up with this range of outcomes, what is what is possible on the slate. And the average for a player is just the average projection that they scored across all of those sims. It's the total fantasy points scored across all of the sims divided by the number of simulations we have. And when we build lineups and we're using sim diversity, what we're actually doing here is sim diversity, instead of it being how randomly distributed do you want this player's outcomes to be in a normal distribution, it is how big do you want your buckets of simulations to be per lineup built, right? At zero, we're using every simulation bucket. So we are just using the average projection for the player. At 10, we are using a single game simulation. So we're picking out uh, amongst a set of thousands of game simulations, we're setting the player's projections to one, like to not, not to one, but to what they scored in one game simulation and using that to build a lineup. And there's a spectrum here in between those. So um, eight, for example, is going to use a relatively small bucket of game simulations to use as the projections for those lineups. And two will not use all of the game simulations, but it'll use a generally pretty large bucket, right? So lower sim diversity gets you closer to averages. Higher sim diversity gives you closer to single game simulation optimals when you're building your lineups. 
the main reason why this is just a better approach, I guess it's a little bit circular here, is because it solves the two problems that randomness has, right? If we go in and we have sim diversity cranked all the way up to 10, for example, and we have that same game where, okay, in this simulation, Patrick Mahomes is scoring 40 fantasy points. Well, it's not just because we drew a phantom distribution around Mahomes and picked 40. It's because we selected a game, a Chiefs game, where Patrick Mahomes threw for four touchdowns. Well, what happened in that game? Well, the Jets defense probably did not do very well. Travis Kelsey probably did pretty well. And if he didn't, it's only there, it's more likely than not that he did well. And the rate at which Patrick Mahomes succeeds while Travis Kelsey fails is only going to show up in our Sims about as often as it happens in real life. Right. So you're picking up on correlations between players because we're sampling real games, game scripts, rather than just individually sampling a random or a normal distribution. Right. Uh, and it also is using the true distributions of players. Right. Um, a good example of this, if you've used traditional optimizers before, is in baseball. If you sort by uh, points per dollar value, you'll often see that there are all these like very close to min price batters um, that will just pop in your lineups constantly using a traditional optimizer in baseball. These guys batting sixth, seventh, eighth, nine, they're like min price. They have a decent average projection. It is very, very hard to get some of these guys out of your lineups, right? And you can see in this case, like clearly we like these national stacks here uh, for this particular slate. So we're getting a lot of this guy here, but these types of players get thrown in as one-offs for traditional optimizers, even with a lot of randomness all the time, just because they project well point per dollar and a normal distribution assumes that most of their outcomes are around their average projection. But if we click into any of these guys, right? Sims understand what these players' distributions actually look like. Like this guy batting ninth for the Royals does have some upside. He's got a decent average projection points per dollar, but 35% of the time he scores zero, right? Those are the kinds of things that uh, a, a Sim picks up on better. Um, the binary sports also are really good examples of this, right? There might be um, a cheap value play in golf or something like that, where the player is actually like because of their average projection and their salary, they project well point per dollar, but maybe this particular golfer is actually an underdog to make the cut, right? There might be 55% to not make the cut. Well, an average, a traditional optimizer and, and randomness again is going to build a normal distribution around that average. And it's going to make it seem like that player is actually very likely to make the cut, right? Because the average projection of that player shifts it into a range where those fantasy points are only possible if that player is making the cut, but they're not likely to do that. The reason the average projection is bolstered up is because of the long tail of ceiling outcomes when that player has like a top 1% outcome. But in reality, they are favored to miss the cut. A sim is going to pick up on that. Randomness is not. So it is a fundamental point to get to use SaberSim effectively and to understand the value of what is going on behind the scenes. That this argument is also why a lot of times we first stress to be careful with your rules that you have gotten accustomed to as you get used to SaberSim, because these rules exist to uh, help other tools overcome the inefficiencies of the way that they handle player distributions and ranges of outcomes. And rules can still be effective to bring in outliers on our sim, but most of them are 
not needed here. And it, at best, wastes time, and at worst, can dilute the quality of the Sims. So um, really good question there. Um, and yeah, that's a, always a, a good thing to get an opportunity to talk about here. So, um, okay. A couple questions from Sammy, uh, about, um, some NFL rules here, uh, for NFL, what's the best way to have certain teams as my primary stacks, uh, as well as some secondary ones without getting any errors. Um, let's see, let's bounce over to NFL. I mean, there's uh, a couple different ways you could do this here. Um, I think probably for the primary stacks, um, let me give this a second to load here. For primary stacks, honestly, it would probably just be easiest here to, let me get a fresh build, to kind of set up your fundamental stacking rule and then just curate your quarterback pool is probably what I would recommend. So, you know, maybe you are like, I don't know, maybe maybe you just want to be extremely strict and just say QB plus two with one run back in every build, right? You could set that. And then from there, just curate the quarterbacks that you have available in your pool. So if you only want, you know, Allen, Hertz, Herbert, uh, Cousins, and Tua, for example, this would basically say a QB plus two with one run back with only Bills, Eagles, Chargers, Vikings, and Dolphins as the stacked teams. Um, secondary stacks, you have quite a bit of control over these checkboxes here right? In terms of what types of secondary stacks do you want? But if you want to get granular with your teams, um, you will need to, you will probably want to create a rule there. So what you could do, for example, is say, um, let's say if a wide receiver or tight end is used, right? Like I think the common secondary stack that people think of is the like one, one, two skill position players. Um, so if you wanted to do something like that, you could say, if a wide receiver or tight end is used here, then use one run back on the opposing team. Um, and I think the easiest way to do this would be to group it by team. And then you could save this as a manual rule. And this is going to create 24 different rules here for each team on the slate. So for example, uh, if a charger, then a raider in the lineup right? Um, but you could spot check this. So maybe is there, okay, so maybe for the Eagles, we don't care about that, right? We don't, we can, we're willing to play Eagles without running it back with a commander on the other side. Um, just as a hypothetical, you could go in here and uncheck um, the uh, Eagle side of that, right? So we uncheck the Eagles here. And now that rule doesn't apply there. So I think that's actually just like a generally good rule of thumb here is that if you are trying to kind of just generically affect what constructions are available to you in your builds, I like using the stack exposure section here, um, the primary and secondary stacks. But if you want to get granular on a team or a player or a game level with how, in what situations are those rules applied, I think setting the rule is better because then you get that option here. So it kind of depends. So um, I see a couple questions in YouTube chat as well. We will get to those here in just a few. I'm going to get through the questions that have come into uh, the Discord channel this morning first. Um, 
Another question here, what would be the best way to make pass catching backs into every lineup? Um, that would probably be, assuming you just mean this very literally, like you want a running back that catches passes in every lineup. I think you could probably set up a, a basic rule for that as well using the stat requirements um, and say something like use uh, one running back in every lineup that has maybe receptions greater than three. Um, you do need to be on the pro plan or higher to have access to these detailed stats as a stat as a rule requirement. Um, you won't see them on the standard plan, but something like this. Um, another thing that you, you'll want to make sure here is to not group them by anything, right? We don't want to group this by player or team or game because we want basically what we want to say is put all of the running backs that have receptions greater than three into one group and then use at least one player from that group in every lineup. So you you don't want to group it out by player or team or game. So you want that unchecked. Um, but we can validate this as well here. This will create one group and let's see who's in here. Uh, eight players, James Cook, Tony Pollard, Joe Mixon. You could be more flexible with this if you wanted. This is relatively a limited pool, right? You're saying use one of these eight running backs in every single lineup, um, but you could do two and a half receptions or two receptions or, or something like that. Um, so that should work. Um, another way that I've kind of heard this question asked before is like, don't use a running back that doesn't catch passes with the quarterback. Um, so you could do something like that as well, where instead you are saying, um, if exact, actually, yeah, if exactly one running back is used with receptions, less than let's say 2.5 oops then use exactly zero quarterbacks on the same team um and this one you would want to this one you would want to group by player um and we can validate this as well by saving this quickly here it's going to make a ton of these because there's a ton of running backs projected for very little but um you can see if Javante Williams, then no Russell Wilson, which like, again, be careful with these, right? Because to me, I would, I would totally play Javante Williams with Russell Wilson, right? Like, so be careful with sometimes the way that these are applied, but you can set a rule like that as well. Um, K Joe here says, um, with the new swap, can you swap and unlock games like you could before? I wanted to back test something. Yeah, you can. I actually had to ask Scott about this this morning, um, but this is found um, in the game stacks section. It is a column that can be added for the lock button. So if you go to a past slate, right click on the column headers for in the games section, edit columns, and you can enable the lock, and then you can simulate the slate as if certain uh, games were already locked here. So. Um, real quickly, because it's related to what we just talked about, uh, can we see the underlying receptions projections? Yes, you can. Again, if you are on the pro plan or higher, uh, if you scroll all the way to the right, we have all these detailed stat projections here. So you can see um, there are the eight running backs projected for higher than three receptions. Um, the line for two and a half looks like it stops at Jalen Warren just before Raheem Mostert. Um, so yes. 
Uh, Billy has a couple college football questions or just looking for some general advice here. Playing the college football main slate on DK tonight, anything I should know? Um, I'm mostly going to be a casual button pusher playing low stakes. Yeah, so um, I would highly recommend watching um, these two videos as you have time. It's about an hour total of content. The first one is me talking to Eric who is great at college football DFS and built our sim um, about the model and some strategy stuff. And then the other one is kind of a summary video here um, about just like general strategy here. Uh, I think those are both two great resources to start with. I would say as you are introducing yourself to college football DFS, there's really two things that to me differentiate it from the way that you might play NFL. Uh, the first is that the, it is a much more important late swap sport um, because games are starting at a lot of different times and the injury reporting is pretty rough. Uh, there's not really a lot of official injury reporting. A lot of it comes through Twitter and beat reporters and, and like this guy's out on the field wearing sweatpants or he's suited up and it looks like he's going to play and things change quite a bit. Um, so it is a late swap sport. You should just treat it that way. If you are not going to be around after lock to kind of tune in and keep an eye on the college football channel, um, we do the best we can to kind of keep up with all of this and post news alerts and run new sims when we can, but treat it as a late swap sport. I don't think it's as insane as NBA, uh, but it's definitely a lot more than NFL where you, one, the afternoon games all started about the same time, and two, the injury reporting is very good. It's not the case for college football. So um, stay on your toes, be prepared to late swap. The second one is that the, the the kind of types of games you get in college football are very different than what you get in NFL, right? In NFL, I think like you might see occasionally like 12, 13 point spreads, but a lot of games are going to be within like a six point spread. Um, and even amongst teams that run the ball more versus pass the ball more, everything is just like a lot closer to kind of the mean for those different rates. That is not the case in college football. Um, there are massive spreads. And there are teams that play exceptionally different from other teams in terms of how often they're throwing the ball, how often they're running the ball, how often their quarterback runs, um, that kind of thing. So a lot of the rules of thumb that you may have gotten accustomed to with NFL don't really apply as much in college football. Like there are rushing quarterbacks that run the ball so much that I think, especially on large slates, playing that quarterback naked is totally fine. There are quarterbacks and teams that are so prolific on offense playing in games with such massive spreads that I think much larger stacks are okay of those teams sometimes. Um, QB plus three in an NFL main slate is a stack type that I'm always a little careful with just because I think it, it's pretty hard in a large field GPP for a QB plus three in the NFL to get there. Um, in in uh, the in college football, it can definitely happen. Um, so... Those are the two things. One, treat it as a late swap sport um, and be prepared to swap and pay attention to the news. And two, I guess I didn't really like give a practical advice for the second one. The practical advice is I would just be careful with rules you may have gotten accustomed to um, in NFL because they are, they may lead you astray a little bit um, for, for college football. So um, quick question on Superflex. I will also um, all hit both of these at the same time. So Superflex and Tears, um, they are both on our roadmap. Uh, support for those is something we want to do. Um, tears, I think, actually, I don't know. They're, they're both on the roadmap. I think we, we've talked about them for this season, for this NFL season. Um, the Tears people have been asking about forever. Superflex seems pretty fun, and we kind of have the basic bones for it set up with college football already. So short answer is yes. 
long answer is I don't know when. So, uh, Neil says, is a geomean filter your preferred way to manage dupes in showdown? I, I would say cautiously, yes. Um, if there's like one actionable thing that I could give somebody to kind of do to try to manage dupes, I think mine still is uh, geomean uh, of ownership based filters. Um, but I would qualify that by saying, I think they are best used as a line to trim off the most duped lineups from your pool. Um, so rather than setting up filters where I'm trying to get every lineup unique, I have shifted my focus to use geomean filters as a way to try to eliminate the what is expected to be the most heavily duped lineups in the pool. Um, as you as that number of expected dupes gets smaller and smaller, the variance of the ownership projections themselves starts to be a I think it starts to outweigh what value you're potentially getting out of the geomean filter. And I think you're probably putting yourself at risk of playing bad lineups that maybe could be duped a couple times, which is almost the worst thing you can do in showdown, right? Like when you're when you're playing, when you're getting to the point of playing unique lineups, you're having to sacrifice a lot of things. You're probably playing lower projected lineups at lower salaries with players that are negatively correlated together. And you are doing that to get a unique lineup. But if you do that and that lineup's duped four times and you calculate it as one because of a inefficiency with the ownership projection, that like craters your EV. So I, I, I do think Geomean filters as a tool to manage dupes is still good, but I prefer it as a way to avoid playing a lineup that's going to be duped, you know, a hundred times um, or maybe even 25 times um, and not use it as a way to try to identify unique lineups. So as your question is written, is Geomean filter your preferred way to manage dupes and showdown? I would say yes. If you ask me, is Geomean filter your preferred way to find unique lineups in showdown? I would say no, because that one, that problem is harder to solve. And two, I think you are putting yourself at risk of just trashing good lineups uh, and playing bad ones being too aggressive with the dupe filter. Um, there is some pretty good content from last year in the pro videos channel about dupe management, especially in NFL showdown that I would reference in terms of where to go next with this. Um, I think actually, I think the MMA video that was a pro video and has since been unlocked, which is here. Um, Will and I talked quite a bit about like, this combination of a filter to trim off highly duped lineups off the top, and then a custom metric that uses salary uh, and I think geomean of ownership from there to kind of float less likely to be duped lineups to the top of your filter. I think you could do something like that, incorporating ROI from the contest sims, incorporating the dupe measurement from the contest sims, incorporating salary, and maybe geomean from there. And I think there's something. I think there, I think that would be something you could play with the custom metrics themselves and kind of see how it works with different weightings. That, that's where I would go next. But yes, to sum up, I think Geomean filter as a way to get rid of the most heavily duped lineups in your pool is probably still a, a good way to go. So, um, all right, jumping over to the live chat. Uh, I didn't even get this build done. I talked for about dupes for like five minutes here. I did crank it up to 5,000. Sometimes the showdown builds all the way up at 5,000 do take a little while, but we'll stop there. Um, 
Okay, so we kind of talked about this one here uh, a second ago, but let's come back to this here so we can kind of give a specific example here. How can I create rules for only some teams without making individual groups? I don't want to pair a quarterback with a running back unless that team is, is Indianapolis here. So let's do this one exactly. So we can actually use the rule very similar to what we just had, which is, where did it go? Well, we'll just create a new one. So this example, as you have it written here, um, would be if a running back is used, in this case is any running back, then use exactly zero quarterbacks from the same team, right? So that's kind of the bones of our rule here, right? Um, actually, I would group this by team, since you mentioned team. So, and then we can save this as a manual rule. And I think it's worth noting, I've kind of glossed over this here on some of the rule stuff already. Um, let's talk quickly here about the save as auto rule versus save as manual rule. What are the differences here? Because they're both useful. Um, so saving as a manual rule, will check what players and conditions fit this rule right now at the time you make it. And let's make all of those manual rules as if you had gone in and programmed them yourself. Why this is useful, saving as manual rules in particular, is because you can audit them and one, check your logic to troubleshoot that the rules were created in the way that made sense to what you were trying to do. And it will let you uncheck certain teams or certain players from that kind of rule. An auto rule will basically save this logic and it will apply the logic at the time you go to build your lineups and run it with the updated sims for that lineup. So for example, using the receptions above three example we did before, right? If we save that as a manual rule, that would check what players had a reception above three at the time you were saving the rule and create all those associated rules then. If you saved it as an auto rule, it would check what players do have a, have a projection, have a receptions projection above three at the time you go to build your lineups and update the rule accordingly. So auto rules are dynamic and update to changing sims. Manual rules are static and let you troubleshoot and triage and edit those rules as needed. So anyway, um, if exactly one running back is used, then use no quarterback from the same team. Let's save this as a manual rule here. Um, we have a rule for every team. Um, let's see if a Miami running back is in the lineup that don't use Tua. So the logic looks good. Um, and now we could go in and uncheck Indy from this. So does not apply to Indy now. So that's the way to do it. Uh, Skull says, what are the field lineups when I run the contest, Sam? Is it the pool of 5,000 or do you guys have field lineups in the back end? It depends on the way that you set it. Um, so if we have a build of lineups here, I would say for, to be clear, for most cases, it is a set of field lineups stored in the back end. And if you are following the steps of um, going to your contest tab, right clicking on the contest and adding contest sim, it is going to assume that that's what you want to do. So I have uh, 20 entries in the $1.20 max right now. For this contest sim of this set of lineups, it will use a set of field lineups uh, for the low stakes 20 max, right? So it's using a different set, uh, basically is a 5,000 lineup sample set of what we think the field would play if this $1.20 max that I'm entering was a 5,000 person contest. 5,000 lineup contest is kind of the way I think about it. And you can, again, you can see these if you want to go look at them in the contest tab here. 
um, under ownership contests at the bottom. If you click that and then click low stakes 20 max, it will open up over here um, the actual lineups in that field sample, right? So there they are. Uh, but you can sim builds against themselves or against other builds on SaberSim. Uh, this field lineups field in the contest sim settings um, here can be set to any build in SaberSim here, uh, provided it has lineups in it. Six, seven, and eight don't have lineups in it here, so I can't select those. But I could sim this set of 5,000 lineups against themselves if I selected field lineups build five. So this would sim these lineups against themselves. So it kind of depends. But for most cases, you're probably, and I would recommend starting with using the field lineups that we're building. And if you want to try to start building your own fields, um, you can do that in SaberSim and use that as your field lineups instead. So uh, Sheet says, can I use contest sim settings on subsequent slates without re-entering them for tournaments, which I play every day? At the moment, no. Um, this has come up a lot, very common question, something we definitely want to do there. Um, but there is no way to kind of save your contest sim settings for different slates. Um, but comes up all the time. And I think one of our next quality of life updates we want to do to the contest sims in general is to just kind of add those. Um, so... Uh, Ryan says late swapping for Thursday to Monday slates, late swapping every lock time is the SaberSim optimal strategy. Yeah, probably. I mean, you're going to, you're going to enter your lineups on Thursday. Um, you should certainly be late swapping on Sunday morning. It's, it's, it, and it, but de depending on what the Thursday slate is, sometimes that's actually just, and how many lineups you're playing. Sometimes that's actually just building for the first time. I've played Thursday to Mondays where I just skip the Thursday slate completely. And I just build as if it was a Sunday to Monday on Sunday morning. Um, but yeah, I mean, late swapping every lock time is probably the Saberson optimal strategy. Um, do you need to late swap on the afternoon slates if there is no news that breaks? Maybe not, but that can be hard to know if news has broken and your risk of your downside of late swapping when you didn't need to is basically zero. So yes, safest thing is to probably late swap for each lock window. But the most important ones to make sure that you do late swap for is probably the Sunday morning one, right? You wouldn't want to, there is a lot of news that breaks on Friday and Saturday for NFL that you would not want to miss in your Thursday to Mondays. Um, I actually think that's probably, I think Thursday to Monday slates in NFL although I find them pretty tedious to play because of how long they go on um, and how much you have to swap. They, I actually think there's probably quite a bit of edge there because there's probably enough people not bothering to update on Sunday morning from what they entered on Thursday. And a lot of times the Thursday players are over owned is what I've found that may have changed as like the field just has gotten better, but Historically, what I've seen is a lot of people entering that slate want somebody to root for on Thursday night, and they'll just play someone, right? So sometimes that means you get buried by David Montgomery, who ends up randomly overowned uh, because he scored three touchdowns on a Thursday slate, and people wanted someone to root for. Um, but like in general, it seems like those Thursday games get a little overowned there. So. 
Uh, Brian says, does the ultimate plan include the contest flashbag? I'm on a trial and I don't have contest flashbag option. Oh, I was saying flashbag. Flashback. I'm <laughs> um, on a trial. I don't have flashback available to me. It is. Um, the ultimate plan includes everything. Uh, it Actually, Pro has the um, ultimate or Pro has the flashback as well. Um, a couple things. One, I mean, it does. It takes us a little bit of time um, to get the slates up here. Um, and two, we are working on getting the very large NFL slates up or the very large NFL contests up. It's requiring a bit of dev work on our end to process a 235,000 lineup contest, both on the back end and the front end for us. Um, but if we um, go here, oh, that's, wait, let's go back to, yeah, MLB last, let's go to MLB last night. Um, I also think the tutorial that is up in the app is a little bit visually outdated. Um we did make a change here. Let's see. Um, to this. Uh, the tutorial, I think in the app shows the eyeball icon. Now the contests that are available for um, flashback here are shown um, just like if, if it's in white, uh, it it is available for the flashback. If it is in um gray it is unavailable for flashback so if you just click on any of these we can see um the lineups played in that contest and you can see who's that guy who won the contest like me had a good night last night in baseball at the low stakes so but yes if it's in white um it's clickable it's editable for for contest flashback. Actually, I'm curious uh, how what my sim ROI was in this contest. Um, let's see. Did I deserve to win? Hey, I did deserve to win. Nice. A well-deserved win. Cool. Um. Benny Hanna says, uh, college football, did the model get an upgrade like the NFL model did? I did confirm with the team. It did not. Um, so referring to the big NFL sim update we did this week, which if you haven't heard about it and would like to hear about it, uh, it's in our NFL playlist for this season. Um, talk to Will. Basically what it is, is it's a, um, it improves the quality of the play-by-play -play sim. So the play calling of what plays get called on certain downs and situations in the game is improved. And the uh, yards gained on a play model got a big update um it's not on the college football side yet it requires a little bit of work on our end to get it there the college football sim is set up a little bit differently than the nfl sim so um something that i think we want to do but does require a little bit of work on our end so um Samuel said, is there a way to set a numerical percentage for ranges of outcomes? Um, kind kind of. It kind of depends on what you mean here. Um, you could do something to that effect in optimizer mode using randomness, right? So, I mean, going back to the conversation we were talking about with sim diversity and randomness before here, right? You could, all those tools are available in SaberSim. So you could go in here and say, you know, I don't want to use the Sims. I want to set each player to within 30% of their uh, projection, which 
would do that. Um, you can also create normal distributions using either the Saberson standard deviation, your own standard deviation, or standard deviation expressed as a percentage of a player's mean projection. Um, but again, I spent like 20 minutes on this stream here talking about the limitations of randomness. So I would proceed with caution with doing that because I think you would just be better served using the sims. But um, that would be kind of the, the way to do that there. So. Um, Benny Hanna said, has Saberson added actual scores to college football and MMA? I like to back test and see how the lineups did. I don't know. Let's see. We are kind of in uh, flux with the actual scores in general. We have historically uh, always used a third-party provider for these, um, which has been faster for us. Um, but we didn't we we didn't have a lot of agency over fixing issues that came up with them um so september 23rd it doesn't look like it for college football to me um so it doesn't look like it for college football at the moment um anyway but we are we are kind of slowly working on bringing that in-house so that we can kind of control what sports we have actual scores for fix issues with actual scores um all of that kind of stuff so i'm not seeing uh, actual scores for MMA either. So I guess the answer is no for now, but we are working on a, a project to bring that in-house, make it easier to get those up, fix issues with them, make it faster. Um, so uh, I've read product ownership is related to the half from some ownership. Is that applicable in the Sims or even usable within the Sims? I don't think that is true if I like half of some ownership is not a part of the product ownership calculation there's going to be like some correlation there so as some ownership increases product ownership will generally increase as well but those two are not related in a like I don't know strictly mathematical way um I, I don't like some ownership, to be completely honest. Like, I just think as a metric, it, it's not very useful. Um, it, I, I think, like, we are quickly approaching a situation where just ownership metrics describing lineups are almost going to be obsolete here very soon. Like, not only, I mean, we are, we are larger field lineups uh, and a better dupe model on Saberson, which is things we are working on away from just ownership, like product ownership even being obsolete. Um, and there are also all these other contest sim products out there on the market. So like, I think ownership as a lineup metric to make a decision is, is going to be going away here soon, uh, relatively soon for the, uh, competitive, uh, DFS player for maybe the average Joe or whatever, like maybe nothing has changed, but for the serious DFS player, I think like we are approaching a situation where people will have moved beyond, uh, these kinds of ownership metrics somewhat soon. Um, but either way, product as it stands is at least better than some ownership just because it is picking up on the relationship of combinations of players in a lineup together better than some does. Some just kind of assumes that any given players that sum up to the same number are the same, right? 
that's kind of the classic example is like three players that are all 10% owned uh, versus one player that is 28% owned and two players that are 1% owned, right? That the second version, 28, one and one is, is actually a much less frequently occurring combination than the former, even though some is the same. So, but either way, I think that kind of stuff is, uh, is going away soon. Ryan says, love the owner's box has no defense or kicker in any format. Yeah, I the um I like the super flex stuff for sure. Um and we do actually it is worth noting we have so owner's box is back. We have we, we have our full support back up on the app here. So if you you know if you want to try some of the super flex stuff, we don't have the DraftKings super flex up yet, but um owner's box is is great and it overlays every single night pretty much, and it definitely is overlaying on Sunday. So, you know, really if if you're like a if you're a lower stakes DFS player, um playing the the Sunday slates like that that should really be where you're investing first because you're going to get rake free or overlaid contests virtually every Sunday um which makes an enormous difference on your lineups right um so I would check it out if you haven't already but play that and play the mini max on NFL Sunday for the Saberson max challenge and get your swag right you get the EV, you get the the EV from the swag from playing in the uh, the max challenge, and you get the overlay and the the reduced rate from playing on owner's box. You're good to go. So, uh, Silverback says, "What would be good rules to use for the free NFL contests that are single entry but have high player count on Sunday?" So, what I would do is rather than starting from the rules, um, I would. I would start from the Sims, right? So let's say it's a single entry here. So I would get your your lineup set here, um, set it up as a single entry. Maybe it's an enormous contest, right? Sometimes they often are here and build some lineups um, on Saber Sim here, right? These are going to be built using our simulations, using the settings that we think are appropriate for this kind of contest. And then take a look at those lineups. And the advice I always give to people on Saber Sim is build, review, revise, not set rules, build, review, revise. So build, see what the lineups look like. What do the constructions look like, right? How does that compare to your research and your assessment of the slate? What teams are you getting to? What stat constructions are you getting to? Um, and then make adjustments from there, combining your research and what the Sims like. Because every slate is every slate is going to be a little bit different, right? And I think the idea of rules that you just de facto play every single time you play a slate are more damaging than helpful to a process. So, um, you know, we could look at this here and when you're trying to narrow down to a single lineup, a lot of times what I do is I will just eliminate things that I don't like, or I don't want to do until I find the top rated lineup that does everything I do like. So let's do that real quick. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the next question here. So. Um, okay, so let's set this equal to one. And this is how, when I'm playing just a single lineup, I'll kind of look at this here. So uh, lineup one is a huge game stack of probably the highest total game on the slate, right? Kind of makes sense to me. Uh, but maybe you don't, you know, if this contest is 50,000 people, you know, maybe a QB plus three is a little uh, a little aggressive for you. So let's uncheck the QB plus three, right? So we'll just basically say, no, don't give me a QB plus three. All right, what's the next one? Okay, smaller stack of the biggest game on the slate, right? Um, QB plus one with two chargers, right? Lineup's looking pretty good, but, you know, maybe Durham Smythe, maybe you you don't want to go all the way down to Durham Smythe at tight end, 
right? So you can kind of uncheck. We have 5,000 lineups to look through here, right? So you've got plenty of lineups to look at here. So we just start unchecking. We'll, we'll kind of wander into the lineup that we actually want to end up playing here, right? Um, looks like value tight end is the piece this week. Maybe we don't play John Bates either, right? Um, so this, this could be for any reason, right? You're just going through your, your kind of assessment of the slate and finding a lineup that you're happy with, right? That's kind of the way I like to do it here for a single, for a single entry. Um, Ryan says thoughts on the owner's box. Oh, actually I did want to mention last, um, one other comment on this, um, that what I just said was basically a very quick summary of an idea that is fleshed out much more, um, coherently in this video. This is kind of my NFL process, walking through that build, review, revise process and what each step of that actually looks like. So I would check this out as well. This is a good resource. Um, thoughts on the owner's box showdown format with only QB and skill position players? Uh, I honestly haven't touched it. <laughs> so uh, I have not played it too much, um, but it sounds cool if only because getting crushed by a optimal captain defense is like the worst experience ever in uh in uh nfl dfs the question i have is okay so they do the same thing fanduel does it looks like which is player costs the same to roster at um flex and the multiplier spot which i really don't like unfortunately um because i think it makes the pool of viable captains a or whatever they call it, multipliers, Superflex 1.5x. It just makes the pool of players that are viable in that spot a lot smaller. You typically need the highest score on the slate to be optimal in that spot. Um, and then it just makes it a lot harder to avoid duplication while still playing good lineups. So don't love that. Um, I am curious how many players are in a lineup. I, I'm realizing I'm like revealing um, how little I knew about this uh, particular contest type that I should know more about here but i'm curious one thing the saving grace here would be six players in the lineup i'm hoping they do six players in the lineup fanduel has just a brutal nfl single game format same pricing for flex and super flex or flex and mvp and five players in the lineup it's like dupe city really really hard to to play good unduped lineups on fanduel from my perspective um but if you have six players in the lineup i think that's fine is it six Oh, it's five. Yeah. Ugh. I don't love it. I would say if it overlays, I start to love it. But if it's not overlaying, mm, probably not my preferred my preferred uh, place to play. It looks like pricing is at least pretty tight. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by the fact that there is actually quite a bit of players showing up as optimal MVPs here. And on FanDuel, you typically don't get that. So I'm wondering if maybe they've just made pricing very tight. Because this is actually a pretty, I'm surprised how diverse this this uh, multiplier pool is. On MVP on FanDuel, it's like take the both quarterbacks and take the best player on both sides, and that's your viable MVP pool. But this actually looks a little more diverse than I would have expected in terms of how many players are showing up here. So maybe it looks good. And again, if it overlays, like all systems go, I, I like it if it's overlaying. So the in terms of single game contests, I think there's two good ways to do it. Um, I think the first is uh, the DraftKings method, which is you pay more for your captain, right? Because then that that introduces a lot of, instead of 
as a generalization, instead of looking for the player that scored the most fantasy points in your captain spot, you're looking for the player that was scored the most fantasy points per dollar in the captain spot. And you have interesting builds where like sometimes a captain for 400 makes sense or virtually any player that's going to play time on the field can make sense of captain. It makes it really interesting that way. Um, or, and I, I don't know why FanDuel doesn't do this more. FanDuel's N NBA single game product is actually pretty interesting with the three multipliers. I think the 2X, 1.5X, 1.2X with two with two utilities is really cool. And I wish they did that for football because I think it it would differentiate them um, in a more, in a better way. So, um, cool. Sheet says, I played one owner's box late and you Sabersim and I won, so it's clearly locked in. Yeah, 100% think rate, can't lose. Um, Timothy said, where's the, what is the master upload option in choose your slate? Yeah. So, um, this has actually been here for a while, but we just made it show up by default. Um, this is a pretty niche thing. I think most people won't use this, but if you are grinding every slate on multiple sites, um, this is a way that you can push out custom projections to every slate and every site all at once. So um, you can basically, it is expecting a CSV upload with player name, DK Proj, FD Proj, Yahoo Proj. And if you upload that CSV and then save it, it will push that out to every player playing on slates for all of those sites that for NFL it's week, but for most other sports it's day. So can be useful if you are using custom projections and you are need to push things out to every slate all at once. So, um, William said, I'm a bit behind. Uh, we should rerun contest sims when late swapping for NFL, correct? And thanks for answering my college football. Yeah. So, yes, you should. Um, yeah. Anytime you rebuild lineups, you, I mean, I, yeah, as a, as a more of a generalization, even than your question, anytime you rebuild your lineups, you should rerun the contest sim. Because the lineups that were originally simmed are not there anymore. So that is absolutely true. When you late swap your lineups, you should rerun the contest sim. Um, for what it is worth, when I am late swapping at the moment, I am giving up the contest specific sims to group everything together and run one big late swap for everything. Because for the for reducing the time it takes and reducing the complexity of getting everything into the right lineups, there's I, I think a lot of times it, it is it is close enough is the simplest way of putting it to just group everything together when it when you are trying to get an important late swap in. So I will keep things kind of a little more contest specific pre-lock, but post-lock, if I am late swapping, um, especially trying to capture some important news that has come out, or college football is like a good example where like sometimes that news is breaking really close to when the games are locking. For me, I am grabbing all of my contests, hitting late swap, running it, picking a contest that is kind of close to everything I played as my late swap contest and field lineups and letting it rip and getting my swaps in. Because missing that news is way worse for you than it is to give up a little bit of EV for simming lineups against contests, different contests than the ones they're being played in. 
like get your swaps in it. That's that I've talked about that on NBA for years, not for, not from the lens of contest Sims, but from the lens of like, if you are out of time, reset everything, get rid of your rules, get rid of your exposures, get the swaps in, get the players that are playing in same thing applies here where it's like, let the, let the contest specific Sim settings go get the swaps in. So, um, but yes, to your question, and that, that that's true even if you just hit rebuild lineups, right? If you've simmed your lineups against a contest sim here uh, and then rebuild, you need to rerun the sim. So. Um, will there be sim ROI slash risk-adjusted ROI percentiles for pre-contest sims like there are for post-contest sims? Interesting question. Let me go see what those look like before I answer this. Because um, I want to make sure I am thinking about this the right way. Um, I would say maybe. Um, I'm trying to think about what that would actually look like like let me let me see what this looks like in flashback here do we still have this up oh. um i mean i short answer is I, I haven't heard of this being something that is is coming soon um so like maybe sim 95th percentile profit interesting oh as as profit okay yeah um maybe um i think it makes more sense thinking about it as profit y yeah maybe it would require a little bit of work because it's this is at this is at a portfolio level so this is for this is for like a given player. What is their 95th percentile from a profit standpoint? Um, and right now, all of the metrics that we actually give um, on pre pre build is not at a portfolio level. It's at a lineup level. So it would require a little bit of work there. Like after lock, once we're doing post contest flashback, we know what the portfolio of lineups is. Right? We know what this person played. It's easy to say this was their 95th percentile outcome in terms of raw profit. Uh, before lock, it's harder because we know what your portfolio is at any given moment in time. But as soon as you change an exposure, it changes and it would require it to rebuild at that point or would require you to click and say, okay, now I want to rebuild. So maybe, but there would be some, there would be some work that would need to take place between now and then. Um, so yeah maybe uh samuel said on a two game slate any suggestion for the correlation slider i um so i'm gonna give you the politically correct answer first and then i'm gonna give you my answer uh the politically correct answer is um we have extensively back tested the sliders and you should use the defaults for the slate that you are playing, um, which is true. Um, oh, wait, man, 
drummed up all this. Okay, there you go. So use the default sliders, right? Personally, though, I have liked turning it off um, for two-game NFL, two-game baseball, virtually two-game anything. That and 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 importantly, and I should note this, making sure that your sim diversity is very high. But what I have kind of found is that on like two game baseball slates, the sims themselves find find the right constructions that I want to play anyway. And they do it from my perspective in a way that's a little bit closer to the actual sim optimals. If, you're, if your correlation is even at like four or five on a two game slate, it is just going to jam five threes and five twos, and f- which is fine, right? You're going to get some of those anyway. But on a two-game slate, like I don't want to feel like I'm just forcing those jammed in. I don't think they're bad, but I've just been turning them off. Same thing with NFL, right? Two-game slate in the afternoon or the afternoon turbo or something. The correlation when it's on is just going to give you some pretty big stacks, which on a two-game slate, QB plus three, QB plus four, totally fine. But the sims, the setting sim diversity to like nine is going to get you there anyway. So... In my process, I've been for two game slates. This is like literally specifically for two game slates. Even once it becomes three game, I want a little correlation in there. But for two game slates, right? See, this is a zero nine build. Like this looks great to me in terms of the the exposure of different stacks. Looks good to me. So uh, Will said, love this platform. How do you build cash lines? Is it better to use the Sims and run single entry or three max or 20 lines and filter by the top projected cash rate in cash? Thanks. Um, interesting question for sure here. Uh, in terms of the lineup construction part of this, I would just turn things onto optimizer mode and build the top projected optimals. Um, that is where I would start. Um the let me just clean this up a little bit here so i don't have so much clutter going on here i don't know about you guys but i have this i have a saber sim pet peeve where if i know that a build is one that i'm not going to return to again i i can't have it up there i have to delete it so um but anyway i would use i would just turn things into optimizer mode and just build the top optimals so um let's build the top 30 optimals here and I think these are like what I would play in cash. What you are referring to by contest simming these is really interesting. Um, and frankly, <clears throat> I don't think we're set up well to contest in your lineups for cash games right now, only because we don't have good cash fields. Like, I don't know what you would use for a cash game field. If you could build a cash game field, then I think uploading that field and simulating your cash lineups against a cash field and seeing sorting by ROI or cash rate, which should basically be the same list in the, it, for cash games, um, would be really interesting. But we don't have a good field to use for that at the moment. So, I mean, you could kind, you could maybe use like as as the closest thing we could get to a functioning field for cash games, maybe it's like the high stakes single entry, but you're going to see stacks in those builds and you're going to see people sacrificing projections to correlate their lineups. So it's not going to be a very good cash field, but it is a very interesting idea to create a cash field and contest them against it. But you would have to build one and then upload that field as a build in a new build here right-click, upload pool, 
and upload that field and use that as your field lineups for your cash games. So, uh, Ryan said NBA month is back. Yes, indeed. Almost. Still September, but getting close. I know it's coming up quick. It's, a full, it's always a fun time of year. I'm excited for NBA this year. I'm very excited. I think the um, I think the contest sims are going to be pretty interesting for NBA in particular, um, especially with we have some we have some cool stuff planned for for like late swap and, and making that that easier to use and um, more time efficient too, which is very important for NBA. But NBA is kind of an interesting one where like just the the lines of like what is right to do in your contest is, is just a lot blurrier, at least for me, like the, how correlation ultimately affects individual players, especially at their upside is kind of tricky to think through. Um, and like good chalk versus bad chalk. Like I think people often rush to say like, well, NBA chalk is just good, but that that's not like strictly true. Right. When I think people kind of know that, but parsing that out and figuring out, okay, like how much ownership versus projection and like how, like, can I play LeBron James and Anthony Davis together? Or is it, is it always bad to do that? Like th those, I don't think those are clear cut answers in the same way that like things are like, you know, at some level that you want to stack up your baseball lineup and you want to have a baseline quarterback stack in football and that like, you know, playing the chalkiest stack at, at Coors Field, like, slate dependent is you know maybe you want to be careful with that kind of thing right like i think it's harder in, in nba so i'm excited to, to contest sim it out uh let's say you build 150 max have you ever back tested the sims versus other optimizer counterparts before in an roi way um i haven't um i you 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 kind of there's not really a great way to do that on your own. I think contest flashback lets you do that in probably the best way that you're going to find. Um, I mean, it's a little, it's biased because it's using the Saberson Sims, which presumably you use to build lineups on Saberson. So it's going to grade them well. Um, but I, I think you're gonna have to use a play-by-play -play sim no matter what to do that in an intelligent way because that the games ultimately only play out once so to to back test and compare different tools you're gonna have to um you're gonna have to have a, a way to simulate out the games and pretend that the slate played out multiple times the way you would not want to do this is like over a month and and this this is something I, I've seen people kind of attempt to do before is like for a month, they sign up to um, three different sites and use the projections for all three and enter three different sets of lineups for all three and see which one does better at the end of the month. And that is like such one that is such a small sample size into like the variance of what is possible on any given slate is so high, right? One, one of those models could bank due to essentially pure luck and completely skew your results. So you need some way to do this over an enormous sample size using like contest flashback or some other tool, right? Stochastic has one too. You're always going to be a little biased doing that towards the model that you are picking. Right. Um, but that is a, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's the way you would want to do it. Right. And 
Andrew and Max have been going on uh, Mondays every single day this season, every single Monday this season to uh, use the contest flashback tool and talk about kind of what they are seeing in who was, whose expectation of profit was the highest in different contests for an NFL slate and what did they do? And I think it's a pretty cool tool to use for that kind of thing. So. All right. Looking like we are all caught up on questions. So we will go ahead and cap things off there. Uh, thanks everybody for, for tuning in here today. Uh, hope you all have a good weekend. I will be back again on office hours on Monday next week. And then you'll have Andrew back uh, Tuesday. Um, so he will be returning from his vacation then, but enjoy uh, any DFS you're playing this weekend here. Enjoy the, the rest of your, your weekend. And if you guys have questions for Monday's show, uh, get, get them going in the office hours channel in discord. Uh, if you watch the show here today, uh, and you, um, don't have a Saberson subscription or were intrigued by anything I talked about or walked through here today, we do have a totally free seven day, five day trial on our site, sabersim.com. Uh, you can get signed up and use Saberson for a free five days there. So, uh, anyway, best of luck. Thanks everybody for watching and see you later.